Welcome to the Mind, Heart, Muscle podcast, everyone. Today, we're joined by Ron White, my lovely co-host, and our new friend, Mark England. Uh, Mark is an awesome guy that we got to know virtually through his vocabulary online course. If you haven't been able to check that out yet, go for it. Um, we'll, we'll link um, everything we need to for that and, and info on Mark. I want to have him start by answering a little question and, and it'll give you a little insight into Mark's way of thinking and how he can um, tell a story. So Mark, I want you to describe the room to me that you're in in 10 words or less with as much detail as possible. Ducks to the left of me and, and ducks to the right of me. Let me count. Ducks to the left of me. Shit, that's six. Ducks to the right of me. 12. I did it in 12. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> one thing, one thing that, uh, that I've noticed as, uh, as I've started listening to some more of, of what you've spoken about, Mark, and, and the things you've written, you know, following you on Instagram, listening to some old podcasts, is that I can always or usually tell what you're talking about really easily as opposed to when you talk to some people and you just have no clue what they're trying to say to you like what's the point that they're trying to get across and and that's that's very comforting you know it's something that when when you when you are engaged in a conversation with somebody you want to feel like you understand and that you're understood and that's what kind of really hit me with with the the architect language and and learning the differences between how we how we think and how we speak can you sort of preface some of that, Mark, with, with how you came to learn all of these things and how what, what that's changed for you? Happy to. It, it changed everything for me. I changed everything for me. And the, the journey into paying attention to what is coming out of my mouth and the influence it is having on my environment started when I began teaching elementary school PE in, in 2000 and no, excuse, 2002, big deal. Uh, yeah, I was a, an elementary school PE teacher for a number of years at an international school in, in Bangkok, Thailand. And I quickly realized that, uh, uh, the fewer words delivered in the, the, the most clear fashion got the job done. When you got 25 screaming, super jazzed up second graders standing in front of you, and the goal is to get them across campus, which includes a street, over to the pool, dressed out into the pool through the lesson everybody survives three times free time free free swim back into the the uh, uh, locker rooms dressed out with all of their stuff and back at the pre uh, uh, agreed upon place and time you got to be good with the words because it's a lot of moving parts and you will have to repeat yourself. So I started doing that and I found it fun. 
I found it very fun and interesting. Getting simple, which is a big time reflection of uh, myself as a person. I'm a very simple man. Getting simple and clear and constructive um, with your with with your language, and I'm assuming that we're going to talk a a, a a lot about language today, which is the only thing I'm qualified to talk on. When I <laughs> when I speak about language, I'm talking about our internal dialogue and our external dialogue, what we think, and what we say, and what we write. And and just on that um, that 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 simple simple note. <laughs> Mike Bledsoe and I was I was I loved hearing it he goes you know man you're a one-trick pony I was like sweet dude all I got to do is one thing all I got to do is one thing and and that's very convenient because that's what I'm going to do I'm going to do this one thing for a while I've been doing it for a while I'm doing it for even longer and that one thing is is language it's the language game man it's the language game it's the story game the story we don't we, we're not taught this stuff fellas at least in in my experience going through the public school system and then being on the other side of it getting a degree in education and talking with a yeah quite a few people over the years uh very few people i've only had three people say yes i did have something along those lines to the question and the question is did did any of you all have any courses classes or conversations about how your words influence how you see yourself and how you feel about yourself self-image self-confidence and most people say no most people's education about their language comes down to um regular spelling, grammar, and definitions. And there's a whole lot more to it than that. I mean, show me something more consistent in its influence of us than the story we tell ourselves about ourselves. Why do you believe, or do you believe that it's just programming, you know, like it's delivered to us from our environment? As in the language? the the whole internal conflict um well at the end of the day that's delivered to us by us ha and having said that we do inherit our language our language is an inheritance okay it's a it's a it's a it's a story it's a way to tell ourselves a story about our world and our place in it and we inherit that storytelling mechanism uh, tool from the people that we grow up around. And um, the more that we learn about our language, again, internal and external dialogue, the more uh, uh, choices we have in, in the kind of and quality of story that we tell ourselves, and that's a big deal because you know people we've all done it we've all talked ourselves into a bad mood gentlemen you ever done that you ever talked yourself into a good mood and so this is where i go when someone says well you know language isn't all that important. 
I'm like, okay, cool, great. You ever talk yourself into a bad mood? <laughs> yep. You ever talk yourself into a good mood? Yep. Did you use the same words? No. No, they're two no, very never. different sets of words. There's a subset of the English language, ladies and gentlemen, that people use accidentally and unconsciously to create all kinds of internal and, if we keep it up long enough, external conflict. Uh, there's there there are language patterns involved that that, that force us into indecision. Okay anxiety, comparison, hell, uh, grief, guilt, anger, bitterness. And there's another set of, uh, of the English language, different words that help us stay focused on the things that are important to us, okay? That help us become more decisive, solid in our speech, that help us take responsibility for the things that we do, um, that help us become more solution focused okay something this, i i've been um sorry to cut you off no, Mark. Do something it, do i've it. been something i've been um thinking about and and i work with a lot of clients who are not athletes uh, even though you know we are crossfit coaches and um coaches in other ways and a lot of the the people that we've found ourselves working with are non-athletes who have a negative self-image who use self-talk unknowingly to discourage themselves from doing things who lack certainty and lack clarity and things like that and and when you when you talk about the you know the story that you tell yourself and how it's sort of um programmed into you like ron said but also something that you inherit is that something that that also goes with just your knowledge of what words actually mean and how they affect you. So when we use um, the negations or the contractions that were taught in second or third grade, I remember learning how to use the apostrophe for the words don't, can't, won't, mm. except I, I did not learn how those words affect the structure of the sentence in a way that it's, you know, and how it's going to convey the message we're trying to tell. So if, if those words are used sparingly or not at all, would that change the outcome of our self-talk and our emotions? It would, it all adds up. And if, if someone um, says to themselves, I'm, I'm not going to rush through my warm up today. If they say that once, let's say in the morning, they're going to an afternoon workout versus them saying it 25 times throughout the day. I'm, I'm, if I was betting on who's more likely to skip the workout or, or mess, I'm, I'm going with the person who's, who's thought or verbalized that sentence 25 times. And when we think and say things, we make pictures. Total newsflash, folks. We make pictures. We play little mental movies. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, uh, or the, the person that uh, uh, thinks to themselves that their partner uh, uh, never lets me finish a sentence. Somebody says that in the morning. They see their partner in, in, in the evening versus the person who's thought 
thought about it all day long. The reps add up. Okay. It's the same. It's just, let's just make that. How simple can we make this conversation? Who's going to get stronger? The person that does one back squat with 185 pounds or the person that does three sets of 10. So you're referring to using the, the affirmations almost as a training tool and starting to, um, use the negations less and less and less so that your, your way of thinking and your train of thought becomes stronger and smoother so that your mental images change when you speak by default, right? Not, not um, something that's like that you're doing purposefully, although that's how it started. It's something that becomes autonomous. Sure. Simply by adding in more of the, of the good and less of the bad. A hundred percent. Right. Turn the volume down. It's quite the skill, everyone, to uh, to develop the ability to turn the volume down on the victim mentality. Because that's what we're that's what we're talking about doing. Mm-hmm. Methodically and systematically dismantling that thing, which in my opinion is the scourge of the earth. It's the thief in the night. It's here to take everything, your time, your, your energy, your creativity. It's here to uh, um, crowd your mental real estate with worst case scenarios and everybody who's done anything to you all throughout the years and just keep it in the forefront of your imagination. And just, just there, there's a very famous um, study on the power of visualization with basketball players they took three groups of people one group shot free throws the other group visualized shooting free throws the other the third didn't do anything at all surprise surprise the people that that then they take them in the in the basket on the basketball court and have them shoot free throws the people that practiced physically practiced uh they hit the most the people that visualized it came in second just slightly under the people that actually practiced it and then the the people that practiced nothing at all no physical or mental drills um came in a, a very far behind third arnold schwarzenegger said it he said if you're not visualizing yourself getting stronger in the gym you shouldn't be lifting weights i heard that that recently the the example of the basketball um, free throws and how visualization is, you know, useful. Um, although, you know, I actually tried doing a, um, doing like a podcast recording a few weeks ago about visualization and I kept hitting restart or restart or like crossing out what I had written down. And it's something I've been practicing for a while visualization. Now I'm realizing it's difficult without positive language, you know, in your head already, you know, I'm going to make the shot. I'm making the shot, right. Visualizing I am making the shot. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you say something, it automatically paints a picture. Yep. Um, and that's also helped a lot in the, in our, in my career, probably Ron's as well. How, when we speak to a client, let's say we lay out a plan, right? 
and we tell them, hey, three months from now, this is where you're going to be if we do A, B, C, D, E, F, Q, mm -hmm. right? But only if we do these things. If we do something else, we're going to have a different outcome, uh, possibly. So we sort of draw a picture, draw a paint a, or draw a roadmap of how to get to where we want to go. And you're, or you're implanting the visualization in their head if we use the right terms and the right words and we put them in the right spot, it could also go completely opposite and go the wrong way because that's how we're programmed. We are, at least now, like everything we see is, is the opposite of what we really want. It's, it's what we don't want. And you look at marketing things, you know, you go on Instagram and, and it says, you know, don't live another day without this, or, you know, get out of pain without going to the doctor, that kind of thing. Where it's, it's so drilled into us that we use these, these terms unknowingly, and, and we're talking ourselves out of these positive situations and opportunities that we otherwise, you know, would, would be taking advantage of if we only knew how good it would be for us. And I have, I have this one client that I work with, and every single session just crushes it like great energy technique is is getting there and this is a person who prior to training with me has has not worked out before um with the exception of walking and you know the occasional jog right dancing with friends on weekends so so now we're learning all these new different things and and yet we we finish these sessions and I'm like, wow, you just you just crushed that workout or your squats looked awesome today. No, I, I can't. It's just not what I. It's it's not good enough. I'll never be able to do that. You know, I can't take the class. Like I'm not doing what they're doing. All, all these kinds of, you know, negative reflections on on on, on themselves. And and she's I'm, under a spell. Yeah. What's the, what's the secret word to break the spell, you know? Well, is there one? There's a number of secret words. Well, yes, definitively. And um, they're not secrets anymore to some people. The people that study this stuff. And the fastest way to break a spell is to put pen to paper. And to write down – so there's two things that come to mind for this particular client. Uh, one of them is something is in the way, okay? And there's something in the way of her giving herself due credit, which is extremely common. And then the other thing that comes to mind is – uh, getting her to give herself credit, also known as celebrating her wins. And the fastest way to get people to get used to celebrating their wins, or first before that, even be able to do it and then make it a practice is to take pen to paper. Mm -hmm. So I meant what I said. She's under a spell. The definition of a spell, not mine, Webster's, is a word or a combination of words of great influence. And for her, I bet there's less than 15 statements that are forcing her to dismiss 
the positive work that she is creating and forcing her to focus on all the areas where she's not super great at it yet or um, uh, she's got something in her background, in her story that is she's using as evidence, as proof that this is not good enough. Mm. Take out the it, put in her. And so let me back into this. <laughs> Two stories. Let me back into that. Is it okay if I drop an F-bomb on here? As many as you'd like. Wonderful. <laughs> okay. So in 2017, we gave a TEDx talk. When I say we, I mean we, my business partner and I. Yes, I was on stage, and he, 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 he's the man in the chair. If you've ever seen movies with the, the person in the chair making sure everything out front is, is working, and, and, and he's, he's tech support. So we give – it took us a month to script the thing. We give a TEDx talk on the current definition of identity and the reality of our identity. The current definition, again, Webster's identity is the fact of being who or what a person is. Okay. Do you all see yourself gentlemen differently today than when you were in the fifth grade? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I do. Absolutely. Everyone I've ever asked absolutely does. So what does that mean? That our identities are not facts. They're not static they're, turns out, they're flexible, ongoing fluid processes that we, and we participate in that ongoing fluid flexible process with our language, okay? And we can take that in, in, in a variety of different directions. Here's two stories of two different spells and the outcomes they had on people. This, this, woman comes in, sits down in the chair and says, I'm having problems with my marriage. My husband thinks I'm attractive. I refuse to believe him. Interesting words, refuse to believe him. And, you know, it's, uh, 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 like I said, it's causing problems. You know, he'll, he'll say, you know, sweetheart, you, you, you look, you look fantastic tonight. And the first thing out of my mouth is, you don't mean that. So there's something in her story that just the, the, the credit, the compliment comes up and she just backhands it, pimp hands it right out of the way. And she goes, I know where this is coming from. I just don't know what to do about it. Oh, do tell. This is what happened. She's 10 years old. She walks into her grandparents' house for Christmas and right inside the door, three feet in, her her great aunt leans down and goes, my, you have a big nose just like me. Thanks for that. Little run. First thing she looked at was when she looked in the mirror. Her nose. Her nose, which was no bigger physically than it was 10 seconds ago. But now, in her <laughs> imagination, it's huge. she's got a honker. And that means she's ugly. 
And and that's the first thing she looks at when she walks in the bathroom. It's the last thing she looks at when she walks out. And now she's got a filter in front of her that's going to do two things. It's going to search for confirmative confirmation that she's ugly, and it's going to edit out anything that's contrary to that. It's called confirmation bias. Look that shit up. And <laughs> Uh, and and we've all we're, guess what we're all doing this all day long. It's like a uh, software uh, virus in a way. Uh, yeah, take out the like and in a way, it's absolutely a software mm-hmm. virus. We've got a major glitch in our our language, gentlemen, and we're all doing this all day long. For, and for most people, it's for better and for worse. And we've all had the experience. Most people have had the experience of getting in a new car and you start to see that car out and about on the street. You're like, where the hell are all these cars coming from? They were always there. Okay. It's just that now your reticular activating system or RAS for short, go to YouTube, plug in reticular activating system. There's a bunch of short five minute videos on it, a good TEDx talk on it. Once it programs something as true and it's not it it has there's no good or bad with the reticular activating system it's just it's it's either the thing's important or it's not important either it's true or it's not true either find more of it or or dismiss anything that's counter to it and uh does i mean i had my car stolen there's a great story exactly about this stuff uh three years ago and I went and got my dad's 1985 Ford F-150 from out at the farm. Two tones of brown, brown and browner. It's mint condition. He bought it off the showroom floor. I start driving that thing around Richmond, Virginia. And in a matter of 24 hours, I'm starting to see them all. I'm like, where are all these 1985-ish Ford F-150s coming from? They were always there. It's just now that I'm looking for them. Okay? Most people know people that for whatever reason they can just see the opportunity that's a skill well and what you're saying what you're saying is is that's just a habit that that person has created of looking for the opportunity yeah 100 percent. and the more that we know about what words force us to stare at the problems and what words force us to to see the solutions Man, we, it makes mindset practical, as in you can practice it. Otherwise, mindset, most conversation, you take the, a conversation about mindset and leave out the language piece, the rubber meets the road, the stuff coming out of my, I'm, my mouth and the stuff ping-ponging around in my head. You take that out of the conversation, and it's just a f- nice conversation. You put it in the conversation, and now you've got a real conversation. You've got a conversation that someone can practice. Okay. So it's an extremely, that's an understatement, empowering process. And it goes both ways. We can cast constrictive spells, tighten us up, lock the breath, okay, send us into a stress response, which is why I reached out to five friends in the CrossFit space in 2016, in October 2016, said, I'd never heard of Barbell Shrug. Said, who's got the best podcast in CrossFit? It's a bold request. They all came back, said barbell shrugged, 
Matt Walworth, he's one of our level two coaches now, rad dude, circled back and said, oh, by the way, Mike Bledsoe is aware you work. Would you like an introduction? You're damn right I'd like an introduction. And I reached out because we show definitively that there is a correlation between our words, our language, and how well we breathe. There's a certain subset of the English language that people use it accidentally and unconsciously puts them and keeps them in sympathetic nervous system response or stress response. It traps the breath in the upper chest and fucksville ensues. Okay. There's another subset of the English language that people use it. They become more clear, focused, solution oriented. They take responsibility. They, they stop playing and, and, and we go parasympathetic and the breath descends back down into the abdomen where it's supposed to be. And life is a lot better there, folks, let me tell you, because I've lived both. So I, I gave you all a story of the, my, you've got a big nose spell. Here's one uh, on the complete opposite side of the, 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 the coin. Uh, 2014, I gave a presentation. Guy was setting up a booth next to us. He heard everything. He was right there. Came up afterwards. He said, man, that was really cool. Want to hear an awesome story? Who says no to that, by the way? And uh, I said, sure. And he goes, my grandfather took me out in the, in the backyard when I was 13 years old. And he said, little Johnny, life is wild. There's going to be zigs and zags and ups and downs and twists and turns. You're going to get some stuff right. You're going to get some stuff wrong. Just always remember to, to err on the side of being a badass motherfucker. He said, my whole life changed in an instant. He said, he goes, I took a big breath in and I, I looked up and I saw myself and my imagination is confident and capable. And I, I just felt like I, my energy grew. And he goes, man, I've made so many mistakes, but guess what? I like being me. I go after what I want. That's, all, that's also known as talking himself into opportunity. Most people accidentally talk themselves out of opportunity and that's sad and usually so are they and it comes down to the everyday ordinary words that people use like a machine gun very rarely it, and i'm talking like that 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 it's just so fast people rarely it's a lack of know-how and no to create an experience or experiences for themselves where they slow the whole mechanism down so they can connect the dots between what they just said and the picture or the little mental movie that they make, the feelings they create, how they breathe, and how it influences their posture. That's the four things we focus on in this conversation, in the vocabulary and in the lifted conversation, is how your language influences those four major parts of your experience of yourself, your imagination, your feelings and emotions, your physiology, and how well you breathe. Here's, an, here's a quick example. I'll uh, make this thing super real for people, super easy to understand. So, uh, Matt, you got a pen? Write this sentence down. How will I ever get over this? Mm -hmm. And then say it, please. How will I ever get over this? Perfect. Now we check in. What kind of picture did you just make? 
I'm picturing myself sitting in a chair with my head down with the, with the you know, lights off and just thinking. Perfect. And what kind of feeling does that create? This is real rocket science, folks. Everything we're talking about today is total rocket science. I'm kidding. It's, <laughs> it's the most simple conversation in the world. I feel stress. I feel anxious and uncertainty. Perfect. From that. Perfect. And where do you feel all of that? Physically, like in my in my body, uh, in my in my gut, and in my head. Perfect. All right answers. Uh, always all right answers. Now take the pen, that magic pen. It's not a pen, folks. It's a magic wand, and scratch out the word ever. Hmm. See what he just did right there? He goes, hmm. That's called a cognitive mm. shift. That means just that something something just happened upstairs. Now, now read it. How will I get over this? Any difference? Complete difference. The difference is now you take the time element away from it, and now you're just specifically looking for a solution. Dude, winner, winner, chicken dinner. And it's even cooler than that. You just gifted yourself the ability to look for the solution. Right. That pressure of, of a deadline is taking out the the emotion in a way. And now I'm, now I'm more focused on solving the actual problem as opposed to how I feel about it. Yeah. You guys are on it, man. He yeah. just said it. Solving the problem. Solution. Statement or, or question. Uh, how will I ever get over this? Mm -hmm. And when people say that they mean I'm screwed, I'll never get over this. Right. Okay. And at least that's how they're feeling in that moment. Yeah, and and back to where we started this conversation. What if they, what if they think that twenty five times throughout the day, seven days a week for three months? What are they getting? Nothing. Depression. They're getting the problem. They're getting more yeah. and more of the problem, as opposed to how how can I get over this? Somebody does that one. That that right there is a presupposition. It presupposes that the problem can be solved. So my reticular activating system, back to that, it starts looking for the solution because it assumes that it's there. And guess what, folks? Most of the time it's there. Something is there, something we can do uh, to better our situation. And most of the time it's plural. There's, there's, there's a lot of some things we can do. And if our language forces us to uh, edit out those solutions, Whoops. Whoops. And then we wonder why we're, why so many people, myself included, are stuck in procrastination, in stress and anxiety and things like that. And one of the things I love is, you know, I'll write, I'll write down both of these sentences next to each other. And, and one will lead down a path of inaction, uncertainty, stress, etc. you know, waiting around. And the other will immediately spark action. Whereas all the self-doubt and the stress that we put on ourselves can be flipped really quickly. And, and then all of a sudden you're confident and you're feeling like you can accomplish something simply because you crossed out a word. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Simp and simply. Again, it there's is, that word. It's simple. so simple. It's so simple. 
I love the the action of writing it down. And what I'm recognizing now is this is this is sort of the interface for for the mindset, like you'd spoken before. Like once you when you put the language into the conversation, it makes it real. And and the the language and the words you use are the interface to to the actual mindset. You you can't tell what's going on in someone's mind if they are keeping it to themselves. And then the way that they articulate it is going to influence what you understand of what their mindset is, especially for us as coaches. We're, we're working really hard to influence people to do things, right? And I remember learning at a, at a CrossFit level one, now it's eight, eight or so years ago, um, coach the positive, right? When we use cues, verbal cues, we say things like do this, do that, get lower, etc cetera, etc cetera. And, and i hear people all the time saying hey you know don't squat like that don't let your knees do that don't do that with your arms okay cool what am i supposed to do then <laughs> how do i right. how do i what action is here like you just told me a thing to make me sit here and stare at you that's inaction <clears throat> right as opposed to something that's going to inspire people to take action now they have options or they have something that they can work toward. It sets a, a target in your head. So how will I get over this gives me a target to shoot for like, all right, I can visualize myself on the other side of this problem now, as opposed to visualizing, visualizing myself stuck at, um, you know, at a ceiling, or maybe I'm, you know, if you put an actual obstacle in the way, it's just too high because there's, you know, there's a deadline, there's a definitive end to it and we don't know how to get over it, as opposed to it's in the way, I'm just gonna go around it somehow. It's, it's an interesting way that, that these all combine and, and come together in a way to shape how we think and how we feel. That's the thing that I've grown to love about this. And one of the practices I had or practices that I use, I was telling Ron the other day is I'll actually write out my thoughts in a text message. And before I hit send or before I, say what I want to say, I'll just go in and, and change everything. I'll correct it and translate it to what I, what I believe is going to bring action as opposed to make me sit there and ponder more. Right. That's called drafting. We all yeah. did it in, in high school. You know, we forget the practice of it over, over time. The reason why we do those things would be far more effective if we knew why, if we knew the reason for it. Absolutely. You know, you, you, you hand in a rough draft in high school, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's the, it's, mm -hmm. it's rough. Hence the name, you know, maybe you get a C, maybe you get a B, maybe you get a D. You hand in a second draft though, you go back and look at what you wrote and make some corrections, tighten the thing up, make it clearer. You hand that in. Most people get a better grade with the second draft. And the third draft, most people don't even have a draft to hand in. We took a, we took a little turn at this point to actual tactical uses for what we just spoke about, writing down and making a rough draft and a first draft and a second draft, et cetera, for the story you tell yourself. And Mark takes us through this practice that you can all do to help yourself overcome some things that, that maybe 
you weren't even sure were still there. So I encourage you to listen to the next episode really intently. Even come prepared with a pen and paper because this is something that you're going to want to go through and and start to develop in your own head. And if you get anything from what we just spoke about, then this will be 10 times better. So make sure you tune in. We'll, uh, we'll be waiting.